Hello, this is Terry, and welcome to another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. This chat includes everything you ever wanted to know about rotoscoping since I'm chatting with a super experienced independent rotoscoper from the UK named Flora Martyr. If you haven't seen her work, which has aired on the Sky Arts channel and at various festivals, including the Lancashire Encounter Festival and the Cardiff Animation Festival, you definitely should. It is simply beautiful. In our chat, she shares what inspired her to get into rotoscoping, her complete process from start to finish, when rotoscoping is the best type of animation to use, and some inspirational examples from mainstream films that every aspiring rotoscoper should check out. But before we jump right in, I have a sponsored message to share with you, and it comes from my friends over at Hue HD, who offer an all-in-one starter kit for kids around 7 to 13 years old, or really any beginner when it comes to animation. Their kit includes an easy and fun way to learn key animation techniques, including claymation, lip syncing, and rotoscoping. The kit includes a colorful Hue HD camera with a bendy gooseneck, built-in microphone, and manual focus. It also includes their easy-to-use animation software, which has some great features such as onion skinning and time-lapse, and kids can even record their own voices to bring their animations to life. Also part of the kit is the Hue Book of Animation, which takes you step-by-step -step through how to create your own stop-motion videos and learn the principles of animation like squash and stretch. Plus, you can download free sound effects, a storyboard template, and backgrounds to give your videos that added magic. And if you want more info about this kit, you can check out the Hue website or order one off Amazon, and I've included links to both of these places in the description of this chat. One more thing, Hue has created a free little downloadable package for any listener of this podcast. And in that package, they've included a storyboard template, a sample background for your next claymation, a short instructional video on how to squash and stretch a simple character with clay to make it bounce, and even a super cute printable fenakistoscope of a rat going into a hole. And a fenakistoscope, if you're not familiar, is one of those little circle things with slits in it that when you put it on a stick and spin it in a mirror, you'll see the animation come to life right before your eyes. So if you know someone interested in trying out claymation or you want to yourself, definitely check out this free downloadable package. The link is in the description of this podcast. Now let's jump into the chat. Hi, Flora. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on this chat during these interesting quarantine times. What's going on with you? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks. Um, doing lots of animating, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like the perfect time to be animating. You're like stuck at home. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. So have you been doing anything interesting during uh, the pandemic? You yeah. Share like, anything that you learned? Yeah, kind of at the start when it was more kind of everyone needs to stay indoors, kind of still animating. Um, well, I worked on a film in that time, which got into a, a film festival or two actually. Um, and then lots of like sewing as well, just because that was kind of like a thing, another creative thing to do <laughs> nice well congrats on the on the film festival so uh i have never talked to somebody who does rotoscoping as like their thing or professionally or anything before and i'm so interested because i feel like i have a very rudimentary understanding of rotoscoping that it's um you're like tracing on top of live action but i want to like dig in and figure out all the ins and outs and and your inspiration and everything so Let's let's roll back a little bit and figure out where this journey began for you, because I talked to a lot of people who the journey was for animation and then they they didn't end up rotoscoping, but you're still doing animation. So I want to I want to know how you swam into the rotoscoping route. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, that's a bit of a, a weird one, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, because I wasn't, I never have actually trained in animation, which is probably perhaps why I moved on to rotoscoping. So, mm. like, well, sort of to start of it in 2011, but it kind of like goes back further. So, like, as a kid, I was always doing art or creative things, but I never sort of knew which direction I wanted to take it, apart from just do something creative when I was older, because that's all what I knew or what I was good at and just that's the kind of thing I wanted to do um, and then that kind of moved to doing like from finished school and then into college to do A-levels and I obviously did art but also film studies and that was kind of when I got really into film and just moving image and I just I don't know, I sort of at the same time, along with writing scripts, I started doing like very basic stop motion. So there's your little stop motion thing. <laughs> um, but kind of like probably later than a lot of other animation people. So maybe around like 16 or 17, because like before then it was more like art in terms of like visual, like just flat art, like painting or drawing and stuff. Um, and then like, I suppose, I was really hard to remember, <laughs> but I suppose like from that I did, like when I finished the A-levels, uh, I did an art foundation course, which is usually like in the UK what a lot of people do before going to uni, so it's just like a one-year course where you get to do loads of different art kind of stuff, um, and then in that I made like for my final piece an animated documentary. It was really, really rubbish, but I think it kind of like made me in like the light animation um, and that was about the differences between um, aerial typeface and Helvetica. Oh wow. Like really weird <laughs> geeky kind of thing. That's really neat. Um, <laughs> so you know all about font types but so this was a rotoscope documentary? No this was just like a thing other than flash but like I still wanted to I think that would kind of set me up for animation and then after that I went to university and I finally decided to do film production um, because I thought that I could learn a lot in that and use the equipment and things. Um, I thought that would teach me most skills because I didn't really have much film skills but I knew I liked it and I thought that I could use animation in that. And then like in second year that gave you more options to do more experimental stuff and music videos and things and that's like what I've kind of gotten more into rather than like the more traditional film approach and then I wanted to do an animation for one of the modules um, which again was a music video and I think one of my lecturers advised me to watch Waking Life and the film called Snack and Drink which both are rotoscope films, one's a short and one's a feature and yeah. then I uh, obviously I was like oh this is so cool and then I just did a couple of rotoscope tests I didn't even have a tablet a Wacom tablet or anything then I just did it with like my mouse and my finger <laughs> but I knew that I really liked it <laughs> and then after that I bought the tablet because I was like this is gonna take ages if I try to do the film like this. Wait so how many frames did you complete by mouse rotoscoping? Um, I think it was like a 30 second. Oh my uh, gosh. I still got like the clip on YouTube somewhere. Oh my goodness, that's like a thousand. For, I don't know. I can't. I think I was doing in twelve though, so not as bad, but still. <laughs> wow, but still. So I, I really love your journey because it, it, you know, it sounds like you're really trying to 
experiment different things and kind of found your path through that. And then you ended up in rotoscoping, which is really cool. So you tried other forms of animation and filmmaking. What is it about rotoscoping that gives you like energy? I'm not sure really. Um, I don't know, I still like appreciate other art forms to look at and obviously photography to do as well. Um, but I don't know, I think because I don't really like cartoons or the kind of kids animation stuff and this one was quite realistic and I've always liked doing realistic things even when I was doing more art stuff when I was younger as well. So I think this kind of gave me that thing which was really quite creative but also realistic at the same time and you can also kind of do what you want with it as well so it was just kind of like a massive thing which kind of amalgamated a lot of things which I enjoy doing. Nice nice um I'm curious so like I use Toon Boom to 2D animate what do you use to rotoscope? Uh, I use TV paint but I used to use flash. Oh wow um, so you just you just load in the video that you want to rotoscope and just go to town yeah basically so I usually um yeah film it or at the moment I've just been using stock footage because then I don't have to be in every single clip that I do because it's just annoying otherwise um and then I'll just take that into premiere and then just edit it like you would do when you're editing the film and then export the bits but you can usually export it in a bit lower quality as well and then yeah because then it makes the animation program Nice. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned a couple inspirational films for you for rotoscoping. Are there, can you like mention a couple that are very inspirational for you now or kind of your, you know, the ultimate project you think would be amazing to rotoscope? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I'll start with some influences and then I'll uh, talk about what I want to do. Um, but I said Waking Life, um, which is a Richard Linklater film. Um, I think it was 2002. And that is, I think my all-time favorite film um, and that's just such an inspirational animation because um, it uses so many different techniques um, and each kind of scene is different to the previous one so they use so many different rotoscope techniques within this one film and it's just such like a visual a visual feast and so that's a terrible thing but I don't really know how else to describe it and then um a documentary which is rotoscoped, well mainly rotoscoped um, and kind of more towards the end it's less, it uses more like real real people things, yeah, um, called Tower and that was 2016 film directed by Keith Maitland. Um, tower? Tower? Yeah, just Tower, not the Tower. Sure. Yeah, um, and that's about a university shooting um, in is it, I think it's University of Texas, I think. Yeah, I should really know this. Um, but that's just a brilliant way that rotoscoping is used in a way which isn't like a, a kind of a fun film. But I think it, it's great that they've used it in that film because it kind of, I suppose it makes like a really harrowing subject matter like easier to watch I suppose and plus I didn't have lots of footage at the time because I think it, the incident happened in the 60s and they didn't have cameras like everybody does at the moment so um, that's obviously where the animation came in to kind of fill in the blanks of what the people are talking about in the interviews 
Yeah, I like what you just said about it's um, kind of making it easier to digest like a tough subject without making it like too cartoony or unrealistic. I think that actually, to me instantly, I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense for that to be rotoscope. That's like the perfect example. Um, is is there like when you're when you're thinking about what you want to do? Is you know you mentioned a documentary and a film. Is there something that you would have as the ultimate project for you to rotoscope? That you see yeah. like the perfect thing for rotoscoping? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to one day to do a feature film, um, and that probably would be a documentary, I think, or maybe like a kind of surreal drama or something. Just something which is kind of real, but not real, I think. But yeah, that's definitely kind of what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Is there, um, you know, we're kind of talking about what works with rotoscoping. Is there like an ultimate format that it's like rotoscoping works best to tell this type of story? I mean, you, you like, I don't think it's so appropriate for like a kid's TV show, for instance. Yeah. Right? That, that wouldn't make entirely sense. Um, but like you gave a good example with the Tower movie. Is there a, is there like a format where it's like tried and true rotoscoping works for it? Storytelling yeah. wise? Yeah, definitely. Um, things which are, I suppose, cross between human stories and something where it does venture out of that into something more surreal or fantasy driven. And there's a really good rotoscope series um, on Prime at the moment called Undone. Um, and that's like an eight part mini series. And that is about um, a woman who gets in, I'm not going to obviously spoil it, but she gets in a car accident that's like in the first five minutes or in the trailer anyway, so that's not a spoiler. Um, and it's about like kind of how she deals with that um, along with like whether it's like mental illness or whether it's her memory and it kind of flips between the real and the not real. And I think that's just, that series for me is kind of like, where rotoscoping has like that's kind of what I am aiming for I suppose kind of just where rotoscoping is like I think it's necessary for that show really nice um I know I'm jumping around a lot but I'm just I'm just curious like so within animation there's different niches like anime and like western style stuff like that in rotoscope I know rotoscoping is a niche itself but in rotoscoping are there different identifiable niches that um exists within it <laughs> uh i'm not too sure i mean like on instagram you see some stuff which is kind of which is i don't know in my head i kind of have as the instagram style but oh, yeah. that's just i don't know it's just when people seem to do it for lots of like just dancing videos and ah. that kind of thing whether they just do it all animated or whether they kind of add bits to you people. mean those dancing videos where some like a light will go around the person's body and then yeah flash yeah. into an animation yeah and then i don't know um i suppose like then more indie kind of stuff um yeah or more experimental but yeah i don't really know any kind of like uh, i don't think it has genres within itself really just lots of different styles Nice. I'm wondering, um, like, I know how much work animation takes. Um, is rotoscoping, would you, because you've tried both, uh, ha, is it more or less work or different work, I guess, when you're, you know, tracing over a live image versus like cr creating the movement yourself? 
I'd say it's kind of, well, yeah, as you said, it's different work, but I think it is quite labour intensive in terms of, suppose with animation, you can't really, like with traditional animation, you can do a walk cycle, whereas in rotoscope, well, you probably could make a walk cycle, but it'd be probably a bit harder perhaps to make it so it joins together nicely at the Oh yeah, because you, you're literally animating everything. Like there's no yeah. shortcuts. And if you take a shortcut, it might break the illusion, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. I guess it depends what kind of effect you want to create. But yeah, it's just, there's quite a lot of drawing. <laughs> Although yeah. I kind of, when a character's just sitting still, I kind of have a few shortcuts. So I just draw them, say, five times instead of, say... I don't know, 80 or 90 times, and then just repeat those frames because I still like everything to, as it, like all my work to have a quite a boil to it. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. like it when it looks too smooth. So that kind of like solves that problem. So you don't have to, otherwise it's, there's no point drawing something if it's just a still image that many times when it's just the same shot like someone's head so you might yeah you can just loop it you can loop some bits but that yeah, makes sense, that makes sense. um i want to i want to talk more about your process but i have maybe some a little bit weird questions for you okay. <laughs> so um rotoscoping i see doesn't get a lot of appreciation on sites like reddit and social media sometimes um what do you versus versus like other forms of animation what do you think of this or say to this when you see those comments, if you see those comments? Uh, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time on Reddit. <laughs> um, maybe I should, or maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, well, people like that, I just think they should stay more open-minded. Yeah. I mean, like I'd say people who try to pass it off as traditional animation, then I wouldn't really be in agreement with that. Um, but I don't think it should be discounted as a form of animation. Just, I think there's like a lot going for it in terms of it's like it as an art form. And I don't like, obviously it's different from other animation. Like I don't discount cartoons just because I don't like them. I can still appreciate it and appreciate the work that goes into it and how it might have an effect on people watching it. And I feel like with rotoscoping, people could, I don't know, maybe do the same for that. Um, like it's still a series of still images given the uh, illusion of movement. So it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's animation. Fair enough. Have you ever have you ever had to deal with that in real life? Like if you're at a animation networking thing or something and, and you're like, hey, I'm in rotoscoping, do you have to explain yourself or is it like, oh, cool? Uh, it's, it's a bit of both sometimes like sometimes I feel I have to justify myself I suppose it depends who I'm talking to when some people seem quite like more intrigued about it because like it is a quite niche thing within the industry whatever that means um, <laughs> but like maybe like I feel a bit more not paranoid but feel like I have to explain myself because I know that it has a kind of a, not a bad thing surrounding it, but you know, it's like kind of brought down upon in a way. So sometimes I might feel I have to explain myself, even though I might not have to, but I think sometimes I actually do because I have had 
some comments and stuff like, oh, you won't get far in the animation industry if oh, you dang. don't have cartoons. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, that's tough. I If somebody said it to me, I'd be like, uh, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Um, so let's, well, I love your work and I think it's, I think it's beautiful and I'm really happy we're talking because I am not too aware of what goes into rotoscoping, even though I'm an animator myself. So let's, let's talk about your whole process. Like, can you take me through the steps of like, just what you do to finish something? Like from my imagination, I would assume you find a video clip you like from like YouTube or something and you're like, okay, here's, here's a person doing an action. Then you load it up into TV paint and then you just start drawing on top of it. I don't know. Yeah, basically. Take me through. Um, take me through when you have like yeah. a concept. Well, luckily, as I said, yeah, so I did my degree in film, which so I have all the know how and knowledge of actually filming things. So I usually like to film things myself, especially if it's uh, say like a short film I'm working on or something, because otherwise, like obviously, because of copyright and stuff, I just like to own every single all the clips that I do, but if it's like just a test clip, um, just which I do a lot of um, to kind of test out different styles and techniques, then I'll, at the moment I'm using clips from a stock footage site called Pexels, and that's a really good one. It has like a really diverse range of imagery um, and that's all free to use as well. So um, yeah, and then I'll load it into TV Paint. I did used to use Flash, so you can use Flash as well or now it's called animated, isn't it? But anyway, the Adobe thing. <laughs> um, but TV Paint just has like loads of brushes and I just think it's really realistic. Um, and then, yeah, so then I usually start with drawing the outlines. Maybe that's probably the same within normal animation as well. Um, but I kind of do like, say if it's a t-shirt and that's all gonna be blue, then I'll just draw like the silhouette of the t-shirt and then color it because otherwise, like if you draw the creases in it then, then when you do the fill, cause sometimes it doesn't like go right up to the edges or anything, then you have to go around it again loads. But then I've, then after I've done the first outlines and the first kind of pass of color, then I will draw like another set of out, not outlines, but like in lines over the top, like the creases on the shirt and stuff. Um, That's a good tip. I'm gonna start, I always just color <laughs> everything at the end and it's a nightmare if you have like, like you said creases or anything yeah. so I'm gonna start doing this I only started doing that like I'm just looking at my diary thing um yeah just like either last week or the week before oh, that. Wow, okay. why haven't I just done this so yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone should do it like that it just takes a lot lot quicker um and then I suppose once you've drawn the outlines and the color then the other outlines then I don't know my stuff is usually experimental and quite mixed media so the backgrounds I guess it depends what project um then the background anyway would usually come last I've never been a person to do the background beforehand I don't know if other people do that um in, in well how we're taught in school is do the backgrounds first because then your okay. character is interacting on the plane of of things and how the con the construction of the background is so that's interesting to me as well it depends like if yeah kind of what thing it is so say if the character does have to interact with a prop or something then maybe that bit will be done earlier as well but I usually kind of yeah just I think do the background at the end just 
I don't know, it works out better for me like that. Probably because I have the film reference as well mm. for um, where the backgrounds will go, at least. Obviously, like, with the backgrounds, I won't draw it, kind of. Like, sometimes I've just filmed stuff in a studio, and then you can just kind of, as long as you have the basic shapes there, you can basically put in whatever you want for the background. Um, but then sometimes I just do really weird experimental stuff like you might have seen on my show just like stuff which kind of mixes in my experimental film as well as my rotoscoping because I kind of see it more as like an art form rather than like uh, animation like I call myself a moving image artist because that fits in like most of what I do I think an MIA I like it <laughs> <laughs> So um, how do you make decisions on what lines to actually draw? Like when I watch rotoscoping, like say the face turns, like, I don't know if I'm going to draw like the cheekbones or like, or just the basic nose. Like, I don't even know what to draw the nose, like the outline or just the nostrils. Like, how do you make these decisions when you have to make them like consistently over any action the person's doing? Like if their face turns, I guess I'm trying to imply that you know, you could make so many decisions on what to actually draw during that period of time, but you have to make it look consistent. So I, I don't know, how do, you, how do you make those decisions? Yeah, um, so I usually draw like, uh, it depends which one, like what project I'm working on, because most of my things are doing like a slightly different style, but I think um, like these days, like I've been doing it for years and years, so I kind of have a sort of set standard thing. So obviously it's always, the eyes and then like the line above the eyes and then not the line below the eyes and the bag kind of thing if they have that and then the nose and then sometimes like I will never do like two sides of the nose like where it goes up I always do one where it has more of the shadow on ah. and then the nostrils and the lips and then sometimes like when I smile like the lines like the face where you smile and then always the what's it called chin yeah <laughs> when they turn then I always do like the kind of jawline but I won't really do a line for the cheekbones unless it's like a really kind of distinct thing and then in the ears I usually do a few lines as well like, it depends on the person who I'm rotoscoping and then try and like put the lines to make it so it looks like them but kind of like the minimum in a way so it doesn't overdo it as well um, I think, yeah, that's usually the, the standard. So um, I guess the process is first you have the the idea and then you go out and film yourself or find stock footage and then you load that up into TV paint and then you do the basic shapes, color them in, then do details. Yep. And, <laughs> and then is there any, and then it's just done? Is, is there any like extra programs or anything that you use that um, um, to finish it up? Yeah, sometimes I'll use After Effects to give like a, background blur or any other extra effects say if I need to add rain or or the standard kind of after effectsy stuff and then I usually um, ex, um, uh, edit the rest of it in Premiere um, yeah because I usually like take it out of there then put it into TV paint then after that I export it as a PNG and then import that sequence into um, Premiere and then I will, you have to then stretch it out to the right frame rate. So it matches the clip underneath. And then I'll like delete all the normal clips and then put in all the backgrounds and kind of composite it like that. 
Nice. Sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. Um, are there really tough things to get right in rotoscoping that somebody like me might not know about? Like, uh, for instance, you mentioned that years, that already sounds like a nightmare to me <laughs> to try to animate, but are there certain movements or I, I don't know, are there certain things that are always like super tough to do that maybe somebody might not appreciate when they see it? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just go through the whole <laughs> animation. Um, but I suppose like it, the like the things which need to be right are mainly the bits when you film it um, in terms of like if people are wearing say dark clothes like black trousers or something that's a nightmare because you can't see any of the creases or anything. Um, so I always get my actors to wear like neutral colours, like a blue or a red or something. Or if it's too bright as well, then that obviously overexposes it and it blows it all out. So again, you can't really see the creases or shadows or anything. That's a um, really good tip. Yeah, I've kind of learned that the hard way. Um, also like a wide aperture, so everything's in focus. Because say if they're walking and then and they're walking towards you, then their back foot will be blurred and then it'll be harder to animate. Oh yeah. Um, also like a, a smooth kind of frame rate. So they like when I filmed clips on my phone or on webcam or something, obviously it's of worse quality than filming it on a DSLR or like another good camera which some of my friends use. Um, so otherwise like say so they're doing that it's bad for the people listening but you can see that otherwise like you have a, a hand blow or something and they're kind of hard to animate as well but I think because I've done it so much like I can kind of especially if I'm like drawing it of me then I know what my hands look like I can kind of easily fill in the bits which might be too blurred but yeah if you kind of get like those things right in filming then it makes the job for the animators a lot easier that, and like that, everything should be like really well lit as well so obviously like not too bright nothing too much in shadow so you have a quite neutral kind of light over everything gosh um that all sounds those are some great tips especially the the blurry one i didn't even think about that but if you're drawing a frame that's just like a like there's a uh i can't even think of a smear frame then yeah, what do you yeah. do like how do you make that choice um I was just wondering randomly, do you get to kind of know a person's body by the time you're done animating them, like their hands and their face and everything? Like how, like, do you have a sense of just what they are after you're done animating? Cause you've drawn them so many times. Yeah, definitely. I think you kind of do get used to it and say if they do turn their head and it is a bit blurry, you can kind of know where the nose is or how you can draw it at that point because you've kind of, drawn them a lot before so you can or even look back on the other shots and be like oh so that bit should be like that say if some other bits are a bit tougher what is um so i'm trying to think like what is what are you striving is there like a certain technique or craft or like uh perfectionism attitude you're kind of striving for in in your rotoscoping like how do you get better at rotoscoping over over time um, I think just, well, what I've done is just kept pushing myself. So like the stuff I did back in 2011 when I started out, they were just really not bad, well, kind of bad, I suppose. But I've always been like, 
I suppose each piece I want I want to try and develop on in my next piece or if it's not better then it's different so like say I always try and push myself out of my comfort zone or if I notice I'm doing too unless it's like on a film which obviously I have to do all in the same style but if on the test clips that I do in between projects if they if I notice that they get too samey then I'll be like no and I'll need to do it in a different style or in a different way to test out something new so I can keep pushing myself in different directions like I don't want to get it like stale or still or anything and if I like each film idea as well I want that to be I suppose the development from the last one on each one to be better and look at what I did in that one to be like oh that didn't really work that well and then not do that in the next project so what is yeah, what is what can you give a like a specific instance of something that didn't work well and that you improved on afterwards um Oh, that's a one. Um, like is it are you talking about like line quality or like um the way movement goes or color, like when it when you're talking about something that didn't specifically work what do you mean um i suppose more in terms of how it looks so say if i'm i don't know say i might want to try out a new brush or something in tv paint and then or a new colouring style. So, and then I'll see that it hasn't worked in terms of probably what I don't really like aesthetically because obviously, like, it's all kind of subjective, isn't it? But obviously, just some looks a bit nicer than other kind of styles. So, like, I usually try and if I know that it hasn't worked for at least that piece. Um, then I'll not do that again. Um, I'm trying to think of like in terms of an actual film. Well, what, um, yeah, so one I did was this documentary, which was, uh, I think it was, yeah, my first paid commission in 2018 to make a short documentary about Lancashire, which is the county I live in. And I think that one, I just did all everything and it was all outlines and I didn't colour any of it in. Like lots of it was time constraints as well, but also I just, I don't know, it just didn't seem to work as well as the, um, later that year I did a second project, which was actually my second paid commission, um, but that one was full colour and that worked really well. Um, but that one I... It was still like a quite time constraint. Yeah, there was lots of time constraints in that project as well, I suppose, like all animation. But yeah. that one to kind of get round the just the outlines. So I did the outlines, then I coloured them, but I didn't actually put like a say a black outline around the character. So I, but I just did like the inlines oh, okay. and that kind of thing. So it was coloured, but also like it wasn't just a silhouette thing either. So. I think that might be a product. That's the best example. I can't really like, think of one, but like I can tell a lot on my test pieces, like the ones I've done back in the day, aren't as very <laughs> strong as the ones that I do now. Because I'm like didn't know as much about the medium back then, whereas now I know a lot more about it and its properties, and I know what more might work and what might not look as good as well. 
How do you how do you study to improve? Are you like going frame by frame through other rotoscoped animations, or are you just doing? It sounds like you're doing a lot of testing, which is amazing. But are are there specific ways to like in animation? You study by like uh, going to school or getting a mentor and and like studying the principles of animation and and like character design and things like that. Are there ways to study in rotoscoping? Um. I'm not sure. I just kind of study off what I've done and try and improve on it that way, like I was saying. But um, you should I'd start think... a course yourself. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I could do. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I mean, sometimes I do try and get online for inspiration, or usually, I don't know. Say if I do go to a film festival or or watch just other short films online or wherever. Um, even if they're not rotoscoped, I usually just, I suppose, get other ideas or maybe just kind of the study animation as a whole really and see what is cool and what sort of things I like, I suppose. I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned before um, a good place for rotoscoping is when there's like a, something that's live that also needs a bit of fantasy in it. So. Say you um, need to rotoscope like a character wearing like a silly hat that doesn't exist in real life hat, or like, a, you know, a character that morphs into a bird, for instance. How would you go about that if you don't have like a video reference for um, it? Yeah, usually well, in one film uh, I've done, it wasn't as extreme or exciting as that. Um, there was, uh, there needed to be some, like she was in a shop and she was kind of looking through some shelves. So like I kind of use some things as reference points so the actor knows where to go. And then you can kind of draw the things in afterwards. Um, if it's something that the character, yeah, say something like a really weird hat, then I'd kind of, I suppose I'd just, like have a reference point in real life or at least for the bits which the character might interact with and then everything else can be drawn on. Um, I remember having to do one just to uh, rotoscope, this was like ages ago, um, some glasses onto someone for some point in this music video that they kind of had to draw on but this was, the character was kind of zooming in as well so it was like there was no reference or anything so I had to just like motion tracks and glasses and after effects onto the ah. video and then um, draw it on that way afterwards and then obviously remove the thing. Oh, that's smart to just motion graphics. That makes total sense. I don't even know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can you take me through, you mentioned a couple of projects that you worked on already. Can you take me through some of the highlights of, of projects you've worked on or things you're proud of? Yeah, um, let me find it all last year. Um, I suppose, um, well, my first one was in 2011, which was a music video. Um, and even though that wasn't like the best thing I've ever done, I think it was like a really good achievement in terms of the time that I had to do it. And the fact that I was still really new to the technique and also lots of other techniques, like it was quite after effects heavy as well. Um, so I think that was like a quite good achievement and it was, did definitely set me off on this route um and it has still my highest uh views on youtube i had 2k it's not even that much about nothing else that they've got awesome. <laughs> um 
and then kind of like after that lots of tests and other small bits and then I think in 2016 was another kind of landmark project like between like 2011 and 2016 was kind of obviously I wasn't doing it as much as I have been now in the last like say three or four years um because I was like I still do film and experimental film and other stuff so that kind of it's not always rotoscope for me even though it often is or at least these days um yeah so 2016 was another music video um and that was like the first full piece I was proud of since the other music video I made um and this was a kind of mixed media piece and it was just like the singer's head that was all rotoscoped with outlines for like the length of the song yeah that was a quite big one because that was yeah just to had the same person singing for between two and three minutes so that was you did get very used to that person's face by the end of that one um but then the background was all like some hand-painted stuff which I scanned in and loads of other kind of arty techniques um then yeah 2018 was when I kind of had paid commissions in specifically rotoscope stuff um but the second one that year I was especially kind of proud of um which actually aired on tv um last year Um, that was a short poetry film and that was yeah it was animating the poem was about uh it was called cardigan's corner shop and it was about cardigan as a place in wales um and it was about this lady having an experience in the shop so that was a really cool project um and I still like even though I think I could do better now because that was two years ago um I still quite like a lot of how it looks and like that one I did lots of the backgrounds in um in a quite more standard way than my usual experimental stuff so it was kind of like a different project to work on as well um yeah, and then last year um, was uh, another short film. It wasn't a paid commission. It was my first, yeah, it was actually my first collaboration piece, which I did with my friend Alan, um, who's a filmmaker and writer-director. Um, and he wrote the script and I did the animation to it. And that one was, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, it got into like this film screening and also into Cardiff Animation Festival, which you spoke to, Lauren. Um, yes, that's awesome. That really was the reason I started listening to this podcast altogether. And then I listened <laughs> to all like the back catalogue ones, and I thought, yeah, this is a really cool podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that, that tie in. That's awesome. Small world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then this year, the one which I made in lockdown called Together Fragmented, which has been successful at a couple of film festivals already. So. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that each one is kind of stronger than the others. Um, but I still really like lots of the elements from each one, I think. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. I, that you're I like different projects. <laughs> well, thank you for taking me through that. So you've done a bunch of commissions. Is there a big market for this niche of rotoscoping or Um, what would it take to work I guess full-time as a rotoscoper I suppose if you got on to say like a series or a feature which was using um rotoscope yeah aside from that it will probably be 
similar to animation. So um, things like, say, corporate work and that kind of stuff, um, along with maybe like arts commissions or funding and, and that yeah. way. Um, but that's that I obviously kind of want to like, work towards, whereas the commercial or corporate work is something which I definitely don't want to do. Um, when you say corporate commercial work, um, I'm thinking like I've seen TV commercials where, you know, uh, like a woman is like running and she's like rotoscoped on top of that. I can't think of the brand, but like, is that is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Unless kind of a company hired me to do it as one of the animators, then I don't think I'd like to sort of, if it was my own idea or something, I wouldn't really like to do that because I think, I don't know, it never seems to work creatively for me when yeah. someone, when it's in that kind of way, whereas when it's, something which is an art commission, like a couple of the ones I was telling you about, or even my own short film, even if it is a collaborative piece, those ones like you're in it from the start and you know what you want to achieve. And I think cause like Rotoscope is something, I don't know, I feel like, it, not exactly, yeah, kind of precious over in a way, or like it's my way of expressionism, whereas like it's kind of my way as painting. And I wouldn't really want to do like a painting for someone to give me money unless afterwards um but I wouldn't really like to do that from the start I suppose if that makes sense no it does uh, I, I feel you definitely like it it takes a piece of your soul out of it when they're like here's the exact specs we need and yeah. you're delivering that and there's no creative freedom and if you take yeah. creative freedom you're gonna have to revise it like it, I, I get that a lot yeah yeah sense. but if it's like yeah say working for a company as a rotoscope animator i wouldn't mind that either but it's just like some kind of middle ground where i'll just be like yeah. no i'm not touching that kind of project but <laughs> it's weird because like in say photography and videography which are like the other things which i do um like i can do those in that way but for some reason with animation or rotoscope i'm just i just can't for some reason whenever you I get. Said it's your form of ex of creative expression and I think yeah I guess so. that's why so how did you get the commissions that you got did people reach out to you were you actively uh, applying for things yeah there was all ones which I applied for and luckily someone oh, so where, where do you find like a rotoscope project is there oh, like they're not like specific rotoscope ones so oh. they would just be like arts call outs and that kind of thing Oh, so you'll pitch it as a rotoscope project then? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they were just looking for animation in general and you're like, here's here's what I envision this project as and here's my services? Yeah, basically. Oh, cool. um, and then if, yeah, they like it then. Yeah, but I've had like way more rejections but probably the same as everyone else listening yeah. to this podcast than actual ones which get like accepted. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome that you're, you're like, you know, uh, this is a cool project, but it would be cooler if it was rotoscoped. And here's what I can do. It's <laughs> like, if somebody wants to create a project and it doesn't say animation in my way, I'm like, eh, next. Versus like, maybe I should just pitch it to them in my in my style. That's that's awesome. Um, so there, so like, I'm thinking of Reddit on, because I follow a bunch of animation and animation career subreddits. Um, and there's a lot of people that enjoy rotoscoping and they're just starting out and looking for tips and things what kind of advice would you give somebody who's like i love rotoscoping i found it 
I want to get better at it and maybe make somewhat of a living off of it. What, what would you tell them to do that they could, you know, be successful for, as they go? <laughs> I suppose, like, I know everyone says this kind of thing, but just, like, genuinely just keep doing it and build up a real, say, like, in 2011 when I started and, you know, I did like say one or two things and just sent those out because obviously like at the time when you do things you think it's good when years later you think well I can't believe I thought that was good the stuff I'm doing now is good and then say in 10 years I'll probably gonna think the stuff I'm doing now is rubbish and <laughs> that kind of thing um so I, I genuinely think just like keep building on your stuff keep analyzing the stuff that you make and then um just really make your own style um and don't be, you can be influenced by different things, I think, but I think like making it yours is really important as well. Like building the stuff, get a reel, get feedback, just continue. Um, and even when the rejections do keep flooding in, just kind of, I know you can just talk for a bit. I've, I've done that plenty of times. And then like the next week, I'll still be back on, back to, back to work and keep trying, I suppose. So I, I think, I wouldn't be where I am today if I just haven't put in any of the hours or if I've stopped. So just, I suppose, put in the hours and keep on. Totally. I suppose, yeah. I, uh, I'm just curious. So obviously the pandemic has changed everything for everybody, but do you have like a strategy for the next little while on how you're, how to do more commissioned rotoscoping or, or more rotoscoping projects? Like you said, you know, you just did a collaboration for the first time and you've been doing a lot of tests. So do you have like a, a plan, I guess? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm working on another short film at the moment, which isn't a commissioned or anything. It's just another kind of weird personal thing. Um, but that, like, I think it's more, I, I still keep applying to any um, like other commission things if it sounds like a project, which I have, an idea for or that might suit rotoscoping um but I suppose like just trying to get work which is kind of either photography or something and another kind of creative thing because if the project's not right for rotoscoping then I'll I won't want to do yeah. it so yeah I suppose if something really right comes in and I get get it then obviously yeah I'll work on that but um I think like some of the funding over here has stopped for the moment because of COVID um so it's a bit like I was yeah working like I told you before um that I was working on a project with some friends um which was a collaborative short film um which will be rotoscoped um but that's kind of yeah on hold for the moment partly because of COVID and partly because it kind of a bit longer than it was going to be originally but I think we will go back to it like next year or something when like it's you know when everything started up a bit more or hopefully anyway like we don't really yeah, know what's so, yeah well that's that's really cool I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes out I think it's funny that it's it's blown up to be bigger than it's supposed to be yeah. do, you, do you have any other thoughts on uh like somebody who's listening to this and doesn't know much about rotoscoping this is kind of their first their first listen to somebody who does it or somebody who's listening and does it and they want to hear more about it I don't know do you have any other thoughts um I don't think so um I definitely tell everyone to watch Waking Life <laughs> um 
and also just just practice really um trying to think if I've got like a really kind of cool piece of information <laughs> um, I think I've like said most of the things I know um I don't know something I haven't said is <laughs> uh also just back to kind of my process um I usually kind of take one line and then do that for however many frames you need so I don't do a like the whole say if it's a person standing up I'm not going to do the whole person and move on to the next frame like suppose uh -huh. going back to where you say and keep like how do I keep it consistent I should have actually said this then <laughs> so say about the shoulder then I'll just draw like that line and then do that as many times until that shot's ended and then like go backwards and do another line so that's i, I, I do that in cleanup as well like if i have a character who's like you know moving their whole body i'll just draw yeah. like the thumb of every frame i'll just go through and make sure that thumb is the same so that that is a good tip that's something i i learned to do as well and it's i'm yeah. i'm glad you said that because it it's it's something that mimics what i do so that's cool well yeah, I don't know if that will be like the same in traditional animation or not but yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just what I do. I don't, I haven't heard of other people doing this, but I think that's cool. That's neat. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the chat. It was really interesting to hear your inspirations and your process. And basically I just asked every question I had about rotoscoping that I didn't know. So it was very informative for me. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me as well. And I really hope that this has kind of been of some use or some interest to some I think it's, I think, yeah, I think it's great. And uh, if you're listening, you'd like to get in touch with Flora or check out her beautiful work, you can do so by heading on over to her site, which is Flora Mart Martyr. Uh, Martyr. Martyr, sorry, sorry. Flora Martyr, <laughs> floramartyr.com or dot dot dash.com. Um, I've included those links in the description of this chat as well as all the uh, films like Waking Life that she mentioned as well. So please check those out and thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.